I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. It's been so hot out, I barely have the energy to yell at you. You know, honestly, that's a relief. Is it, Barry? (laughs) Okay. Even when there's a heat wave and severe thunderstorms, I still find the courage to come to the studio and yell at Barry and shout through this entire podcast. And you know why I do it? I do it for you, you lovely, loyal listeners. So let's do this. You're welcome. We're going to start off like we usually do with a little segment we like to call Worst Things First, the worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into the many industries, items, cultures, and general things we millennials have allegedly mercilessly murdered. And finally, we're bringing on comedian, actress, author, and all-around internet queen, Grace Helbig. She hosts the podcast Not Too Deep, co-hosts the YouTube series This Might Get with Mamrie Hart, plus she does a bunch of other amazing stuff all over the internet. She's on the pod for an interview and a game, and by game, I mean we basically just read a bunch of her old tweets and then demand that she explain them. We've got all that and more, so let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's strap on our headphones and start the show. All right. Worst things first. The worst news of the week. First, a 53-foot tractor trailer was stolen in Georgia. Inside... Nearly $100,000 worth of ramen noodles. <laughs> yes. Literally, ramen noodles are like 30 cents. So there was 300,000 packets of ramen noodles. Mathlete. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> I multiplied by three. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, the owner of this tractor trailer said he left it at a gas station, and then when he returned, all his nudes were gone. All the ramen nudes. And there have been no updates on the heist since. I don't... Why did this man just leave his tractor trailer of ramen noodles? If I had a treasure trove of ramen noodles, I wouldn't just leave it at a gas station. Guard it. Inside job. That's what I'm I'm <gasps> calling it. Next! About 75 sheep and goats sprung free from a livestock auction in New Jersey last week. Yes, bitch! And at least a dozen of them are still on the run. <gasps> Uh, the animals all escaped through an unsecured gate, and it took police an hour to get about 50 or 60 of them back into their pens. But the rest are still on the loose. Locals, though, are blaming another goat, nicknamed Fred, Fred the Goat, that escaped <laughs> from the same auction more than a year ago, and is still uh, he's still on the town. He allegedly showed up at the facility and was headbutting the gate, holding in the corralled animals oh my god he's liberating them yeah incredible fred, fred the goat fred is the like liberator this was less than a week after about 100 goats ran free in idaho there's an epidemic afoot. happening yeah this is like when all the birds start to die <laughs> and the townspeople are like well, what's happening but it's the goats this time Next, a woman in Washington state has been arrested and charged with second degree assault after police say she stabbed her husband in the arm with a samurai sword. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> this the, is why I don't like swords in the house. Right. I just I know not for I used it. to have a neighbor decorative whatever. I had a neighbor who had a sword hanging, and I was like, I'm a child, and I could easily grab this from the wall. Yeah. I barely allow paper for fear of paper cuts. Yeah. So the husband told police that he and his wife were fighting and that he demanded that she leave the house. And then she grabbed the sword, mounted on a wall, and impaled him. Asked her side of the story, the wife said that she was just standing in the kitchen, carving carving up a chicken for dinner, minding her own business, and then in stormed her husband, Wilbur, in a jealous rage. You've been fucking the milkman, he said. You've been fucking the milkman. And then he ran into my samurai sword. He ran into my samurai sword ten times. Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> we know. <laughs> Next, a man in Germany called the police because he was being stalked by Humpst. Humpst. A squirrel. Oh, no. A baby squirrel, in oh. fact. He called police in a panic, saying that the animal would not stop following him around, and he was scared. Wait, you call the police for that? Yeah. He had a stalker. Well, it turns out it's because the squirrel's mom probably died and it was looking Aww. for a replacement. Oh. <laughs> and man. then he called the fucking police. This squirrel sought you for help, sir. This squirrel saw you as a role model in his life. And you looked him in the face and you said, I'm calling the fucking police on you, you tiny rabid piece of shit. And finally... This is a callback. Do you remember Dexter, the emotional support peacock, who, oh, yes. who made headlines in January when a United Airlines employee banned him from boarding a flight at Newark Airport? Well, guess what? He's dead. 
Oh. He died unexpectedly. <laughs> On an airplane? <laughs> a spokesman for United Airlines was available to spit on Dexter's grave <laughs> and reassure customers that his carcass would not be allowed on the plane either. <laughs> and that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we are diving deep into millennials and everything they've destroyed. Applebee's. Breasts. Millennial. Stilettos. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right, so last week, the internet was set aflame over an article written by a woman in Philadelphia claiming that millennials killed mayonnaise. And it was a completely ridiculous article. Uh, It was written by an older woman in Philadelphia. And I don't want to just like rag on an old woman, but like this, here's part of what she wrote. Quote, my son, Jake, who's 25, eats mayo. He's a practical young man who works in computers and adores macaroni salad. He's a good son. I also have a daughter. She was a women's and gender studies major in college. Naturally, she loathes mayonnaise. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? what? It's just like <laughs> my my adorable good son who who didn't turn to feminism shuts up and eats his mayonnaise, but my satanic daughter <laughs> who doesn't know her place in this world eats the devil's condiment. What else did she say? It was just a, a completely if you want to be mad, go and read this article. But it made me think about how uh, millennials have been accused of murdering a number of industries. So I want to go through the long list of things that millennials have murdered and see if we could work out exactly why and if they're actually true. Because guess what? I'm a fucking millennial. A lot of people are millennials. I feel like millennial is a dumb like slur that boomers have like come up with to try to slander young people but millennials span from 18 years old to like 30 something like 35 so let's jump into it here are all the things that millennials have murdered first according to a business insider Millennials are killing casual dining chains like Applebee's and Buffalo Wild Wings. It's true. The claim is that millennials like to eat at like fancy boutique places and not chains, which is like, okay, sorry that you, when I say you throughout, I'm talking about old people, boomers. I'm just fighting back against them. Yeah. I'm sorry that you accepted bland, shitty food for so long. And we are like, we're going to spice things up a little bit by not eating at Buffalo Wild Wings. Sorry, we realized that we could break out of the prison that is the fucking fast food industry. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Anyway, say goodbye to chain restaurants. Next, the concept of starter homes. I just don't get like, why would you write an article about how we're not buying fucking houses? Of course we're not. I didn't fucking crash the housing market. I don't even quite understand what that means. 
So I can't be responsible for it. I would love to buy a house. I'm not a bank who 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 took on a bunch of predatory loans and other phrases and words. <laughs> The article says we rent for longer and then just buy big houses. So suck my dick, boomers. I'm going to live in a fucking mansion. But you wasted your life on a starter home. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a fucking Applebee's and I'm going to knock that shit down and build a mansion. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then rent it out to a (laughs) bunch of old people who can't afford anything. Uh, let's see. What else? Millennials prefer paper towels over napkins. Millennials are killing the napkin industry. It's because of the marketing. Yeah, it's because I want to fuck the brawny man. (laughs) Where's the napkin mascots with their biceps and pecs? The brawny man has been selling the lumbersexual lifestyle for far too long to blame us for killing napkins. Also, maybe don't make napkins like half ply. Like you fucking go to the grave of an Applebee's or a a Buffalo Wild Wings and they have those napkins that are like antimatter. Like you touch them and they disintegrate in your hands. You can see through them. Oh, they mean paper towels instead of I thought they meant like cloth napkins like paper towels instead of cloth napkins they just mean paper towels instead of paper napkins I think so So napkins of a different size does anybody use cloth napkins I do it's good (laughs) like at your house yeah it's better for the environment I mean to be fair I don't have napkins in my house yeah I just because it's a towels. stupid thing. It's just and a smaller clothes. paper towel and a less efficient paper towel. I just use your shirt. Yeah. That's why my couch looks like <laughs> ground zero. It's just, yeah, there's so much happening. Next, millennials are killing boobs. <laughs> According to Pornhub, millennials are 19% less likely to search for breasts. <laughs> I would contend that it is because millennials aren't <laughs> typing the word breasts into Pornhub. <laughs> we are capable of a more sophisticated search. Hmm, like what, Matthew? I just can't imagine, like, I don't know, going in and typing. Boobies. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it reminds me of. It's just like an old man typing in, like, boobs. <laughs> Next, motorcycles. Millennials are killing motorcycles. That's fine. Motorcycles kill millennials. You want to know this? (laughs) We're being attacked. We're fighting back. (laughs) Fuck motorcycles. I will never, ever go on a motorcycle because of this horrifying story that my mother burned into my brain as a small child. She told me that she was once driving on Mother's Day and got to a four-way stop and a truck hit a motorcyclist and the motorcyclist flew off and got decapitated on a stop sign. I don't know if it's I don't know how true that story is, but it certainly made me never want to go on a motorcycle. My grandpa had a motor scooter that he wanted for the longest time and finally he got it and <laughs> the entire family was like you're going to die because of this. And he didn't die because of that. <laughs> Um, He'd never crashed, but there was one time he said that a pigeon flew into his head and he had (laughs) nearly crashed. Oh, no. (laughs) And then that is truly the biggest danger, besides decapitation. Oh, God. It's a pigeon to the brain. 
Next, bar soap murdered. I use bar soap. So do I. Although I use the fancy oatmeal kind. Yeah, me too. That costs like $40 Never mind, not that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fat bar, though. Almost half of all U.S. consumers believe bar soaps are covered in germs after use, a feeling that is particularly strong among millennials. I like how this essentially boils down to like, millennials are afraid of germs. Like, sorry you didn't know what like bacteria was, (laughs) and I would like to live longer. Also, it's like millennials do their research and like <laughs> yeah, learn like, about what they're consuming. My favorite part of the Mad Men pilot, this is an old reference, but when Sally, the daughter, walks in with a, just a full-blown plastic bag over her head. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's what children played with. Mm-hmm. And that's why they fucking died. Next, this was a big one. Uh, diamonds. Millennials aren't buying diamonds. I wonder why. Once again, I think it's because we did some research. (laughs) Also, because I have $200,000 in student loan debts and going to focus on paying that off before I spend three months salary on a fucking ring. Next! Fabric softener. Millennials are killing fabric softener. Uh, According to downy maker Procter & Gamble's head of global fabric care. Wow, what a title. (laughs) Uh, Love that on a business card. Uh, Millennials (laughs) don't even know what the product is for. True. True. What the fuck is fabric (laughs) softener? I still don't know what it is. Why? I don't like when my fabrics are soft. Like when a shirt gets too soft, it's not good. It's limpy. Flimpy. Flimp. Limp. I still don't. Is fabric softener (laughs) supposed to like, I thought maybe it's supposed to make it like take out the static. What? I don't know. I don't fucking use fabric softener. Downy, maker, Procter & Gamble's head of global fabric care. Next, banks. This is one of those other things where it's like, uh, yeah, we don't go to the bank. Also, we didn't fucking destroy the banking industry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry we live in constant terror that all of our savings are going to go away because uh, you fucked it up. Um, I worked at a bank, and I'm pretty sure I'm responsible for its demise. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you, you are one millennial responsible for killing one bank. Because I didn't know how to use a fax machine. <laughs> Sorry, they didn't train me. The full story, which you can read in my book, Everything is Awful and Other Observations, is that I, I was responsible for filing these things called fraud reports, which I don't entirely know what it meant. I think it's just like certain things got flagged if it was like suspicious activity on accounts. And I was supposed to, I worked for like the central branch and I was supposed to fax the report to the corresponding like sister branch and like weeks into the job I saw the little graphic on the fax machine and realized I'd been faxing them upside down (laughs) for months and just sending blank copies and then shredding the originals (laughs) (laughs) needless to say this bank is no longer in operation I don't think I was directly responsible but also hard to say I wasn't um what else? Handshakes. Millennials. <laughs> According to a study by the Journal of Hand Therapy. I'm sorry. <laughs> which is completely like a fetish magazine run by someone who just wants to touch your hands. <laughs> they were like, hey, can you shake my hand for this study I'm doing? <laughs> 
just uh, just real slow, shake my hand. Well, it turns out millennials have way worse grip than the generation <laughs> before them. We're so weak. They attribute it to a lack of real work and our addiction to technology. Sorry, sorry I don't dig holes for a living <laughs> and therefore can't shake hands. My uncle, when I was a kid, used to always like squeeze the shit out of my hand to like teach me how to be a better handshaker. And look where I am now, bitch. Next, sex. A new study in the journal Archives of Sexual Behavior finds that younger millennials, those born in the 90s, are more than twice as likely to be sexually inactive in their early 20s. Uh, the reasons they give are we're overworked, we're obsessed with career status, we fear becoming emotionally involved and losing control, also anxieties around consent, and an uptick in the use of libido-busting antidepressants. Check, <laughs> yes check, to check. all. <laughs> I like how, yeah, it's sort of like, uh, uh, like, oh, why aren't you fucking anymore? <laughs> Here's a whole bunch of reasons why you're not fucking anymore. It makes sense. The world is terrifying. What else? The stiletto. Millennials are preferring athleisure, and so we're not wearing stiletto heels. I can personally attest that that is false. <laughs> I prefer a shoe that doubles as a weapon, always. Finally, the dinner date. According to this study, fewer millennials have the time, money, or desire to sit with a stranger over a long meal. No shit. I would summarize all of this as being millennials are smart. We don't want to willingly put ourselves in dumbass situations where we might die or get harassed or assaulted. Also, we're fucking poor and don't have the money to do shit. And also, we care about our foot health. Most importantly, stiletto. Ooh, the stiletto. So fuck you, boomers, and everybody else who accuses millennials of murdering all these things. If we are responsible for murdering them, it's because they fucking deserved it. They asked for it. I will blame the victim. All of these fucking industries can thank us while they gasp with their last breaths. You're welcome. The world is better for it. Except it's not because all of the boomers irreparably damaged everything and we're all going to die because global warming. <sighs> and nuclear war. So anyway, that's it for this week's Deep Dive. I'm going to go search for breasts on Pornhub. Next, we got Grace Helbig coming up for an interview and a game right after this commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Fleur. That's P-H-L-U-R. Fleur creates expertly crafted, sustainably produced perfumes without all the bad stuff. Instead of testing out a scent by spritzing a tiny piece of paper and trying to smell it like a scratch and sniff sticker, you can discover all their great fragrances through pictures, words, and music online. If you like what you're seeing, odds are you're going to like what you'll be smelling. Take Barry, for instance. She was drawn to Ciano. Ciano is, quote, designed for the outgoing. And even though Barry barely has a personality, she was all like, quote, hit me. <laughs> So she added that fragrance to her Fleur sample set and ended up buying a whole dang bottle of it. True story. And honestly, being in the studio with her is much more enjoyable now because she smells good for once. 
You can get your own sample set by going to Fleur.com today. Use the promo code UNHAPPY to get 20% off your custom Fleur sample set. You can pick three cents to try and get credit towards a full-size bottle of your favorite. That's promo code UNHAPPY at Fleur.com to try three Fleur fragrances of your choice at 20% off. P-H-L-U-R dot com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Daily Harvest. Between filming weekly videos, recording this podcast, writing, and of course my nightly karaoke sessions, I've got a lot going on. So when I need healthy fuel fast, I turn to Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers perfectly portioned cups of frozen organic fruits and veggies right to your door, which means I don't need to leave my house in order to make a delicious smoothie. I can just add their ingredients with water or my fave milk, blend it up, and drink it up. Their new plant-based, ready-to-blend protein smoothies have dessert-inspired flavors that inspire me to possibly walk to the gym in my building. When I blended together the mint and cacao flavor, which has 10 grams of protein, FYI, I gave a little chef's kiss and thought to myself, I might actually exercise today. But whether I actually did or not is none of your business. So you can go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code UNHAPPY to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code UNHAPPY for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com, daily-harvest.com. Happy blending! My guest complainer today is Grace Helbig. Grace is a comedian, live performer, YouTuber. She hosts the podcast Not Too Deep with Grace Helbig, co-hosts the YouTube series This Might Get with Mamrie Hart, also author of a couple of best-selling books, Grace. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm already having a great time. Good, good. Yeah. But we like to we like to ease you in okay. and then make sure you have a horrible time afterwards. Just leave with regrets. <laughs> yeah, that's the log line. Uh, we like to start by asking everybody, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Oh, one thing I hate that everyone else loves. Um, I think children. Yeah, in a broad sense, that is you're you're preaching to the choir. Um, but I think in a more like narrowed down sense, I don't like children that are like grossly starved for attention. <laughs> I think like child like, actors maybe. Yeah, okay. except for I just met Elsie Fisher who did eighth grade the Bo Burnham movie, yeah. and she's incredible. She's, she's so like, good. Ideal version of like teen that you don't think is annoying. Right. Yeah. Right. She also spends all her time now with, like, Bo Burnham, yeah. who seems like a good influence. Yeah, they seem like they're, like, kindred spirits. Yeah. Like, very much, like, have a very familiar, like, brother-sister bond. Right. And they probably are the best influences on each other uh-huh. at this point in their lives, which is, like, why is there no camera just following the two of them around? <laughs> I would watch that weird show. Were you an actor when you were, like, a kid? No. Um, no, I did, like— 
the high school plays, but they were yeah. very, you know, very lower than low budget. Like, <laughs> plays or musicals? Plays. I can't sing to save my life. I wish I could. It's like... That to, has nothing to do with high school musicals. That's true. I know. Trust me. I was on the fence about even, like, indulging myself in trying out, <laughs> but I just was too embarrassed about, like, my lack of talent yeah. in that area. I always feel like watching people that can sing is like watching someone with a superpower. Right. Because you can't really like learn it like a language. Yeah. You either have the ability or you don't. That's so true. And so it's always infuriated me that I haven't had that ability. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, yeah, not a lot of acting until like college maybe when I got into comedy and improv. Right, Did right. you do child acting? Um, All, all the time. <laughs> no. Just by existing, <laughs> always performing. Yes, I performed heterosexuality for like 19 years. Wow, that is the greatest play of your life. <laughs> right, not well, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Considering I requested like the Lady Gaga coffee table book for oh Christmas when I was like 15. Amazing. Um, no, I was in like middle school musicals. Okay. We did Once on this Island, which is uh, about a bunch of Caribbean people. And it was just a bunch of like white suburban children <laughs> in like Hawaiian, like Aloha shirts. Oh, no. And sandals with socks, like <sighs> prancing around stage. Uh, and then uh, The Music Man. And I was only okay. in it for uh, the Shapoopy dance. I don't even know. I'm not familiar with The well, Music Man, but I. Uh, There's a dance called the Shapoopy. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> and it's it stands it, the it's a term for a girl who's hard to get. That seems incorrect, but <laughs> I'll take it. That feels like the worst term for that. Uh, but it sounds like the first version of like the Kanye song that's out now. That's true. Yeah, yeah. that's probably where he got the inspiration. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you, uh, like, always kind of want to be a performer? Um, n- not necessarily. I wanted, my older brother and older stepbrother were, like, four years and six years older than me, and they always were making each other laugh and, like, making little video projects for school and stuff like that that I just thought they were so cool and mm-hmm. wanted to do that. So I, I knew I... So it was a constant, like, trying to get them to laugh at something I did. Yeah. And I remember finally making them laugh by doing, like, a Cartman impression. Like, the first year that South Park came out, I was in, like, fourth grade in the back of the car on a family road trip. Yeah. And then they were like, do it again. So for, like, an hour straight, I was just doing the same Cartman impression. But uh, when I got to college, I wanted to do more writing, like, Mm -hmm. comedy writing. Tina Fey was having a heyday at that moment. Yeah. And so... I took a sketch comedy writing class at the People's Improv Theater, and then I interned there to, like, get a discount on classes. Right. And then they had an improv level one class that wasn't totally full, so I could take it basically for, like, next to nothing, and I was really terrified. But I decided to do it, and then I I loved it. And so that kind of steamrolled more of, like, the being in front of the camera situation. Right, right. But, yeah, for a while I did not—I don't know. I was too scared, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What was, like, the the breaking point? I think just the addiction to making people laugh yeah. felt really good. Because I remember I was never part of the theater group, like the theater kids growing up, which yeah. are a very specific group of people, uh, as are, like, jocks and, you know, whatever. So uh, I did more sports in high school than, like, the arts kind of stuff. And when I got to college, there was, like— all the theater kids from all the high schools merged together to be the theater kids at my college, and I just didn't feel like part of that group mm-hmm. at all. And then 
when I started uh, being around the comedy theater, I started to feel like I was part of a community. And I was like, oh, okay. I feel more in line with these people than the right. people that were doing musicals right, right. on my campus. Uh, and then YouTube, same thing. Felt like, oh, here's a community of people that also like making videos from the comfort of their own home. This is fun. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, so there wasn't necessarily a breaking point. I think really taking that level one improv class and being totally scared and doing it and then going, oh, that's kind of fun to figure out how to make people laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So I, along with, I've said this before uh, in person, but Ashley Perez and I came out to like one of the very first live shows that you and Hannah Hart and Mamrie Hart all did in New York Yeah, uh, when we were all babies. All fetuses. And I remember the show at least seemed like it was a lot of like improv kind of games. Yeah, you guys were our first like interview that we ever did (laughs) at at one of those things. And we were like, BuzzFeed's so cool and they want to interview us. This is so cool. Uh, Yeah, we started out doing those shows more sketch heavy. But we would tell everyone that came that they could use their phones. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a comedy show you could use your phones at. Like, take video, post pictures, whatever you want. Thinking, like, that's just helpful promotion-wise. And so by the end of, like, a string of shows that we did on the East Coast, I think we ended in D.C. And all the sketches we were doing, like, no one was really laughing out loud because everyone had watched the full (laughs) shows online, like, the night before or the day before. So everyone's just kind of smiling at you but there's no not because they know the jokes and the lines so we've tried now to make the shows more improvisational and to make them more game heavy with the audience yeah I'm like I don't know how you do it in front of people on their phones I'm like if I I see one person I'm like get the fuck out of my (laughs) I know I think we set ourselves up we haven't done a show together for a while now but uh, and Mamrie's been doing this one-woman show, yeah. and she did the thing where she's like, please don't use your phones. And I was like, yeah, I think we have to go back to doing that now because it is more fun to write out a full show than to fly yeah. by the seat of our pants. Because you did your whole book tour show, and yeah. that was like storytelling, right? It was like a yeah, full like stand-up set. Yeah, that's nuts. See, stand-up is terrifying to me. I just like – it was terrifying to me in the beginning, but mm-hmm. then – but. I remember when I started doing stuff on stage, yeah. they were booking me with like a Q&A session with Matt oh, Bellasai right. because I think they were worried like, what if I can't actually like tell jokes? Oh, interesting. Like, Let's just do a Q&A. Uh-huh. And then uh, the more I did that, I was like, I I would prefer to just like write material yeah. and perform it because then like some places they pick a moderator that wasn't that great. And yeah. I'd be like, no, no, no. I just like being in control and I feel like <laughs> I have the most control with stand-up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially like when you it's it's very uh, risky when you give that much permission to the audience to participate in the show. Yeah. You're like what you're going to get a Q&A question. It's like, can I hug you? <laughs> and it's going to be like, this is not what you should pay money for to watch another person in the audience hug me on stage. Yeah, I feel like I'm just like, we just happen to both be here at the same time. It's just yeah. a coincidence that you're in the audience and I'm up here. Yeah, yeah. Really, like, there's a wall right here. <laughs> And we're each doing our own thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, I yeah, I feel like because a lot of my audience comes out and is drinking a lot, right. I'm like, the second I like allow anything, it's going to turn into a, a frat party. Oh, yeah. You told me the story on my podcast about the woman that was just like so drunk in the front row or something. Yeah. They just kept wanting you to drink wine. She kept shouting at me to drink more wine. (laughs) And at one point I was like, I'm going to finish this just so you shut the fuck up. (laughs) And she didn't. She kept at it. Uh, And see, that's, that's the problem if you... 
interact or engage in that way, then the floodgates are open. Yeah. Have you had like a heckler? Um, no, not really, because Mamrie's really good uh, at like you like shutting that shit down immediately. Uh-huh. She just screams, it's my name on the marquee, bitch, not yours. <laughs> Shut up. And then that, it's like good cop, bad cop. Hannah and I get to play good cop a little yeah, bit more. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of the people that come to our shows are like younger women mm-hmm. that look up to Mamrie like an older sister and are kind of scared of her. But it's <laughs> yeah. like that's part of the charm is like getting Mamrie to yell at you. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, she does like scared straight basically for a second. And that usually, but we are hardest not hardest but just like most chaos driven shows were in Dublin which is just like a stereotype in and of itself but yeah they love to drink and they show up and they go hard Yeah. and then by the end of it they're just having full it's a beer hall and it's not a show anymore <laughs> yeah it's but it's fun everyone's there trying to have a good time I did a show on St. Patrick's Day. That's the closest I've gotten in, on Long Island. Oh, so, wow. And then someone threw up in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever had, unless I'm completely blocking it out, any major... Oh, we did have a girl pass out one time, uh-huh. um, but that was in like a book signing line, and that was like scary, and everyone was just like, because <gasps> she just like fell completely flat, like hadn't eaten all day, low blood sugar, but we've never had anyone throw up that I know of, yeah. unless they're doing it quietly in the audience. <laughs> no, this person, it was like in the front, and <laughs> I it was like one of the first shows I ever did, uh-huh. and I, so I was like very nervous, and I was mostly like in my head and yeah. not really paying attention, and someone like fell onto the stage. <laughs> Because it was a very low stage and there were uh-huh. tables like right up against it. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing on my stage? <laughs> Get off. And, I, and it turns out later uh-huh. I learned that they were trying to get away from the person <laughs> throwing up and the only exit was onto the stage. <laughs> so I was so distracted by that person that oh. I wasn't like paying attention to the real show, which was the vomiting. Oh, so you didn't even see the cleanup or anything like that <laughs> happening? No, you I had no idea. You this person for trying to avoid vomit? <laughs> And at some point, like, uh, the, all these security guards came in, and I was like, I have no idea what's happening right now. Wow. That was my first show on Long Island. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> um, what do you—I hate the word YouTube comedian. Yeah. Do you still get called a YouTube comedian? Yeah, a lot of times getting introduced as, like, a YouTuber. I mean, the cool thing now I've noticed more and more is people are like, what do you want to be introduced as? I've never really hated YouTube comedian at all, uh, but— yeah, there is, like, a weirdly negative connotation to it, yeah. or, like, a less than... Yeah, I mean, it's, like, a stipulation now. Yeah, I was just talking with this girl, Laura Clary, who is this really funny Instagram girl, and she was saying she did stand-up once, and it bombed so hard, because at first she got introduced as, like, Instagram famous, and she was like, oh, my God. The guy was, like, basically making fun of her before she even got on the stage. She's like, everyone hated me before I even got up there. Yeah, so it's, um... It's weird. It doesn't... I don't know what the alternative is. I mean, comedian, I guess. Right, right. But it's also like, yeah, it is true. I put funny stuff on YouTube. Right. So it is an accurate description. Yeah. And I don't know why I feel negative about it. Yeah. I think I I feel negative about it only because I know other people feel negative about it. And it's (laughs) like... It does feel... I don't know if you feel this, though. Like... When I do a show and it goes really well, I feel like 
especially if it's at a comedy club or some like more traditional space. Yeah. Like I feel vindicated in the eyes of the people who like run that shit. Oh my God. I, yeah, memory. So we used to go and do like all of our own tech and we would scramble last minute because our show was like very visual. We'd have slideshows and Mm -hmm. images and graphics and music cues. And we'd go to all these like rock comedy venues and we walk in and we have to use their like tech guy. And so it'd be memory for an hour before the show having to tell this tech guy while she's dressed in like a karate gi because we just decided to wear them for the show. (laughs) Like, okay, you're going to let the fart sound effect play for like 10 seconds and we're going to be bouncing our butts up and down. And then you're going to cut to like the graphic package and the guy would just be like, what the fuck are you talking about? So we already walked in with all of these like rocker crew guys just fully being like, what are these little teeny boppers from the internet? And then most times than not afterwards, we'd have like the bartenders and crew being like, that was actually really funny. <laughs> and we just walk around like totally chest puffed being like, we did it. That's yeah. the only validation I needed from this night. Right, right. Which is nuts. Yeah, it does like, I don't know what it is, daddy issues or what, but I'm just like, <laughs> I want the, it's probably just because of my older brother that I'm like, I want these older cool dudes that are just chain smoking in the alley before we start to think of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, what is your philosophy about like engaging with people on the internet? Like commenters? I I gotta, I have good times and bad times. (laughs) Uh, I I usually delete things afterwards, like the morning after. They usually inebriated the inspired uh, responses to people, but uh, I try to ignore anything bad as much as possible. But then you reach like a point where you're just like, what is happening? Right. And then you feel ultimately gross afterwards for responding because you're like, this didn't really solve anything. No. The, this person's not looking to have a dialogue right, right now. No, How a b- lot of people feel like vindicated that they got your attention. Your attention. Yeah. What do you do? Do you engage or do you? <laughs> usually no. More, yeah. yeah. I usually don't ever. Yeah. I try not to. I did one time and this is years and years ago when I was big into using Tumblr. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing some girl post this like, Really, really mean. I don't even remember what it was. That's how I should have let it go, how insignificant, because I couldn't even remember what it was. But I remember it being just, like, so specific and so mean and, like, so completely not true without any context. And so I, like, reposted it and was like, sorry, you feel this way, blah, blah, blah. And then all these people went and, like, attacked her page, basically, which you, I wasn't asking yeah. for them, but that's what people do. And so she, like, shut down her Tumblr account, and I was like, uh, I can't do this. What am I doing? I shouldn't be doing this. This the girl's, like, 14 years old, right. and you're a grown woman. Like, stop this. <laughs> yeah. That is a... There's now, like, this culture of canceling people. Yes! Where it's like, I'm gonna clap back at this person so hard that, like, I'll scare them off the internet forever. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's just, like, everyone's scoring points on one another. I always see the hashtag of so-and-so is canceled party. They turn it into a party so it seems more fun. Right. And it's nuts. And it's like very few people are actually deserving of that. Yeah, very, very few. And I think a lot, it's just mob mentality of people jumping onto something that everyone else is a part of with no context of what and why it's happening. Right. There are some comments that I've gotten, though, that are are mean but also like so clever that I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> you, you got me. <laughs> I know. Some of them are like so specific and like right at your core that you're like, oh, he said what I think about myself behind closed doors. God dang it. <laughs> when there's like constructive criticism, I'm fine with that. But when it's just like needling right. for the sake of needling, 
the one that gets me the worst is you're not funny anymore. That just simple little comment kills my soul. Yeah. It's so hard. It would be better if they just said you're not funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but at one point they believed in me and I've disappointed them. And trust me, I feel burnt out. I know what. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I agree with you. But my I favorite. That. That I just uh, that I just resaw about me was um, this annoying faggot Harry Styles stand makes some good points. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that pretty much sums up my entire existence. <laughs> that was a roller coaster, and yeah, wow. I mean, ultimately, they're in support of you. Right, right. We got around to it. We got around to <laughs> the loving part of it. It is nuts, though. I feel like more and more people are emboldened by leaving very vicious comments. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to, it's always been bad, but I feel like now, I don't know, maybe I'm like older, and so it just hurts a little bit more sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I should have like a more built up like right, wall right. against it, but still, you know, a hundred good ones and that one super specific one, they're like, well, I'm not going to sleep tonight. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for that. Every time I close my eyes, those words are going <laughs> to flash in front of yeah. my eyelids. Exactly. Let's see. Let's talk about this might get. Okay. Where did the idea come from? What Were you and Mamrie like, let's just... Let's do it. We're basically like, who's gonna back us for just us hanging out with each other? Yeah. Well, we've had we did a travel show a couple years ago called Hey USA, where like we travel a lot together for work and for you know for fun, and so we were like, there's no travel show for our like generation. Like, I remember Samantha Brown on Travel Channel was like the closest one to like our age group, Mm -hmm. and uh, so we created this like really sloppy, floppy like travel show. And we've always had in the back of our brain, like wanting to figure out what the younger version of Kathy and Hoda are. Those yeah. two goddesses that walk amongst <laughs> us that just like are unabashedly themselves. Right, but right. Are really good at their job at the end of the day. So Studio 71 came to us and they were like, we want to do um, a show with you guys. Let's figure out how to develop this. And so we kind of took inspiration from Kathy and Hoda and from Rhett and Link. And it's now, yeah, it's this Monday through Friday show that we do on YouTube where we get to kind of explore trends and pop culture and mm-hmm. just anything that we find curious and like put a little bit of our spin on it. It's been really fun. It's been really nice to feel like I'm making consistent content Yeah. in some capacity because my channel's been up and down lately. Right. But yeah, it's been nice to have like a team of people helping too. Which, that's that's good. Yeah. yeah, you just have to show up and scream at each other for like fourteen hours one day, a week, <laughs> and then everyone else gets to package it together. That's that's convenient. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to uh, like delegate to other people. Right. Right. Are you always like you like working with someone else? I do more and more as. Uh, as I'm getting older, I do like having really great collaborators. I think I feel a little too much. I've done so many like videos by myself for so long mm-hmm. while doing other projects with other people that I find it like exhausting to go home and try and think of a video without completely overanalyzing it now. So yeah. it's nice to have a sounding board of someone, um, even just like producers and things like that. It's nice because forever and still my own YouTube channel is just me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no producers or editors or PAs or anything like that. So that is easy to like isolate and be like, I don't trust myself to make something by myself (laughs) anymore. I need to work with someone else that's also inspiring and like can handle half the weight sometimes. A lot of times Mamrie and I will come in and be like, 
I didn't get any sleep last night, so like you have to like take the lead today. <laughs> it's a nice like understanding and respect for each other. Yeah, that's a good balance. Like when you find that person that you're able to do it with. Yeah, but then you get like very precious about only wanting to work with that person. So Maver and I have had to be like, we have to balance how often we work together, and we should do something separate of each other. So you have an open, an open comedic relationship. Open dialogue about it. Yeah, right, it's like right. when we discovered that we should not room in the same hotel rooms when we travel anymore. <laughs> We're grown women, and it just doesn't bode well after hanging out all day together and then getting really drunk and then like coming back to this tornado of a hotel room. Sometimes it's nice to have space with each other. Was there like a breaking point where? you were like well there was that at first hannah refused to room with us at all from day one of us traveling together because maybe and i are just two tasmanian devils that go into a hotel room (laughs) within five minutes it's disgusting and hannah like refused to even come in to use our room to like brainstorm ideas for shows because it was so gross and she's She's the first person I've ever known that puts her clothes in the drawers in the hotel room every no, time she goes. that's insane. I'll hang some stuff that needs to be hung in a closet. She unpacks, even if she's there for a night, everything into her dresser in the hotel room. I like the option, but I'll right. never use it. Yeah, I hardly even know it's there because I'd never do it. But she... Uh, yeah, she used to do that and that's when we were like, yeah, it's probably better that you room by yourself. <laughs> but then, yeah, Mamer and I would room together a lot. And I think when we did Hey USA, because we were just spending such long days shooting with each other and traveling and just constantly being around each other, we were like, we just, we got to have separate rooms. Yeah. We got That's the least we could do. And it has really changed the game. That's good. Yeah. My thing is always at least separate bathrooms. Yeah. Um, and then fucking Barry booked our Airbnb and I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> also, every Airbnb I've ever stayed at in LA, uh-huh. the bathroom is made for like someone half my size. <laughs> really? It's like a dollhouse bathroom. Oh, I that's feel like so weird. I'll sit down on on the toilet, uh-huh. and it's like made for an elf. It's not made for a full human. And the like shower head comes up to my breasts. Yeah, that's I've noticed that a lot in LA. That showers aren't meant for tall people. No, but I was I would think that living in New York that you would have that issue there. Uh, I did in one apartment that I lived in Uh um, where, like, my thighs touched the wall when I I used the toilet. (laughs) That would make me so claustrophobic. Yeah, it was horrible. This was an apartment that I had that didn't have, like, a full bathroom door. It was just, like, an accordion type, like... (laughs) Oh, no. uh, That's not fun. I I felt really... It was, like, 300 square feet. It was probably... The size of this room. Jeez. It was my entire apartment. That's so nuts. Yeah, I forget that that's what living in New York is like. I felt bad. Like, there was one time when Ashley Perez asked if she could stay over. She was visiting New York, and I was like, there's literally nowhere for you to sleep. <laughs> yeah. We'd have to sleep on top of one another. And I feel so, I always feel so guilty when I, we bring that up, but I'm like, there, you would have had to have slept in like the bathtub, and you couldn't fun. even sleep, like, lie, lie all the way down. <laughs> You'd have to sleep in the fetal position. Yeah, New York. I put up with so much. How long did you live there? I lived there for about six years. Wow. Yeah, I moved there after college and then lived in Brooklyn the whole time. Nice. Which was, yeah, really fun. Bounced around. I think I had like 
five different apartments, six different apartments, something like that. Uh huh. And it was fun. Yeah, one apartment didn't have a sink in the bathroom, <laughs> and I shared it with two other people. So we'd have to wash our hands in the kitchen sink, but our living room became one of our roommates' rooms because uh-huh. we like secretly let our other friends stay with us just to split our rent more. Right, right. So you'd have to walk through her room technically to wash your hands after using the bathroom. It was. That, were, oh, that was such a gross apartment. But yeah. the location was great. It was in Carroll Gardens, and that was moving on up for us. We were <laughs> not wealthy. <laughs> yeah, I, there's always that thing where it's like you can pick location, price, right. and like space. And in New York, it's like you can pick like not having a sink in the bathroom. <laughs> it's like the choices are so much worse. Oh, it's, it's like so living nice. with a family of rats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had bed bugs in one of my places and that was like burn everything, throw yeah. everything away and I moved immediately. It was so it was like 3 months into living there. It was so so gross and then you just feel unclean for right. like a year afterwards. Right, right. Yeah, it was so gross. I remember the first time someone in New York told me like they had they found a cockroach in their apartment and uh-huh. I was like, "You disgust <laughs> I've like never met someone as disgusting as you. <laughs> and then I realized like, oh, this is just like seeing a spider on the wall. Yeah, everywhere. I know. I remember someone told me that they got bed bugs from a shirt they got from Forever 21. Oh, God. And I was like, nothing is safe. Nowhere is safe. I like, I take a lot of cabs in New York and yeah. I can't understand why we're all just not covered in bed bugs constantly. Yeah. Like, that seems like the ideal place. Oh. My head will, like, t- be touching the ceiling of the cab, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving here with at least, like, crabs. Well, like, this, there's no yeah. there's no escaping it. There's some, uh, yeah, because this was in, like, 2010 uh, like or so that I had the bed bugs, and I remember, like, going online and realizing that there was, like, websites you could go to of, like, reported bed bugs in oh. buildings so you could, like, preemptively check. But you go on it, and it's literally every single building. <laughs> and this is, like, 2010. Like, I'm sure eight years later, it's going to be fucking nuts. Yeah, the whole map just lights up. It literally, I was like, so this is everywhere. All right. We can transition to, we call this uh, a game, but it's not a game. Okay. <laughs> we call it Bowl of Shit Talk, and it's Great. a number of topics drawn from your Twitter. Oh. Um, that we're going to shit talk. Uh, basically, I want to know the stories behind why you, you've trash talked these things oh in boy. the past. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, kids bop. Kids bop. In 2010, you tweeted. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is like, these are the memories I pushed way down. I thought about this the other day. Uh, that you hate kids bop because they sound too much like you. Yeah, they sound like me trying to sing. Like that, I know, like we've talked about, I cannot sing, but if I earnestly tried, it sounds like kids bop. Yeah. Um, falling into toilets? Did you fall into a toilet? Who? maybe I did. Uh, oh, yeah, probably, yes. Because, uh, uh, I mean, there have been a few times that, like, at bars in New York, especially, like, at night, if I go to use, like, the bar bathroom and not paying attention and the seat's up from a dude that was right. just in there, I've fallen ass first into toilets before. I can't imagine anything worse. It's, yeah, but thankfully, I feel like I was probably drunk enough in those moments to be like, I'm fine. Right. This is fine. Okay, sure. Yeah, I hate when, like items of your clothing on you make a dip into the toilet bowl when you're peeing. Like, yeah, yeah. overalls are very hard to wear sometimes. Just for that reason alone. That's why I've never worn overalls, and I never will. The only reason. <laughs> that's, that's the only reason. <laughs> Definitely not because I would look like <laughs> old McDonald's. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think it'd be great. Um, 
<laughs> my notes say that you've sent several tweets about how you eat popcorn in the car. <laughs> yeah, I eat popcorn in the car, and it's one of the scariest activities to do because um, a lot of times I like to keep, like, car chips, I call them, like, just a bag of chips or popcorn in my car for when I'm stuck in traffic and I'm hungry. Right. But I eat snacks like a vacuum cleaner, and, like, I inhale it. I remember tweeting this because one time I was just, like, furiously eating popcorn without, like, consciously being present. And I just looked over and there was someone just staring at me while I was eating the popcorn. And I was like, this looks crazy. If I can see them through my window, that means they can see me. That's how car windows work. But also, this happened in New York a couple times. Like, three years into living there, I finally started living by myself in an apartment. Like, never went back. And, uh... I remember eating chips one day like while like editing a video and I started choking on a chip and I was like by myself in my apartment and I was like furiously like tears rolling down my face and in my mind I was like this is how I'm gonna die <laughs> yeah. alone in my apartment choking on a like Dorito in the middle of the day on a Tuesday and then I got like so scared I finally like got it dislodged and I was like that was so stupidly scary. It was so dumb what just happened. It's so scary. That, and it has happened multiple times. Yeah. And I was like, I got to slow it down a second. Because <laughs> this is, the mo- my family will be so embarrassed if this is how I die. That I I think about that so much. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I do eat pretty like fast and loose for someone <laughs> whose body would be found. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what it is. I guess my body just wants the salt so bad that it doesn't even chew. It just it's like, we can do this. Living alone. is great. And then it's also some very mediocre activities are very scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and on that note, where can people find you and your work? Sure. I'm just at Grace Elbeck on all social media. This Might Get is youtube.com slash this might get Monday through Friday. Uh, and my podcast Not Too Deep is on SoundCloud, iTunes, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down. Barry, do you have a chaser this week? Oh, do I. What is it? Well, Veep is filming. (gasps) I'm so excited. So it's not even out yet. No. But they just started filming, and there are so many reasons to love that and why that should make you happy. One, because Julie Louise Dreyfus kicked breast cancer in the fucking ass and now is already back to work. Mm-hmm. Two, because all of the actors who obviously I follow all of them on Instagram have been posting videos of them like at the table reads and shaving Tony Hale's mustache off and things like that. And it's just it just makes me so happy. I'm so excited for that show to come back. And in the meantime, I've really just been enjoying all this new content, this Veep content. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What's your chaser? Hmm. My chaser is, well, I guess it's just going to be what I've been watching, which is Sherlock. I had never watched Sherlock before. Yeah, that's something I watched when I was in college. (laughs) I also, there's only three episodes per season and they come out like two years apart from one another. Love British television. I've been skeptical of the internet's obsession with Benedict Cumberbatch Mm -hmm. for a decade. Mm -hmm. And I won't say that I'm a convert, but I'm starting to understand. And then I bought all of the Sherlock Holmes books. Oh, boy. That I'm going to read. All of them? In my mind, there's, yeah. Yeah. It's like a 2,000 page anthology. Anyway, that's my chaser. I like it. It's good. It's entertaining. 
And that's it. Thanks for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever else you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Claire Ty, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman, Max Linsky, and Mark and Julian at the Invisible Studios. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can find Barry on her couch or on the internet at Finkelberry Pie. But more importantly, you can find me on all the social medias at Matt Belisai. That's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, bye bye. conversation in my head because I, I was about to say like well, the only age that I did eat at Applebee's was when I was younger <laughs> but I can't have eaten there when I was older because I'm not older yet <laughs>